The San Diego Padres continue their 2023 tradition of refusing to get a series sweep and go on a winning streak as they lose the last game of three games set against the Tigers, but the Luis Campuzano hive, it is back, it is thriving and better than ever. We are here and we are going to react to that and more from this weekend's series, including Josh Hader and Blake Snell reportedly being on the trade block. So let's get into it. You are Locked On Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of Lockdown Podcast Podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Monday, July 24th. As always, I'm your host with sometimes occasionally, but certainly not always the most, Javier Reyes. You can find me on... I'm not going to lie to y'all. I refuse, at least for a little bit longer, to call it X. Uh, on Twitter, you can follow me at Javapeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, or at L-O underscore Padres, where it seems a lot of people have unfollowed me after my harmless joke about trying to jinx or reverse jinx Blake Snell into a good start. You can check that out at L-O underscore Padres, and check me out on the old YouTube. If you want to see whatever fit I'm rocking, nothing crazy today. Don't worry. We're going to get crazy this week. I promise you. I promise you. You know why? Because this is my birthday week. Ladies and gentlemen, and on the birthday week, positive vibes only, for the most part. Unfortunately, I have to talk about some negative stuff from this past weekend, but I'll try and do it in an uppity, cheery way. Uh, that is, of course, San Diego Padres. They lost the last game of this set against the Tigers, which, I mean, it stinks because they had played pretty well, uh, all at all, right? Like, on Saturday, they absolutely unleash their offense. We're going to talk about that as well. And even in Friday, they win a close game, 5-4, after Josh Hader picks up the save. Um, but let's talk about yesterday's game first. I think that we should talk about that one first, because yesterday they dropped the ball all year. The Padres have been unsuccessful at having any comebacks. Um, it has been a trend for this team for a while now. This is not something that only happened recently. This is the thing. Um, and it really, really stinks. Again, they lose 3-1 uh, on Sunday's game. And they were facing a starter for the Detroit Tigers as our buddy of, what's his name? Scott Bentley from Friday, uh, when we did our crossover podcast, brought up that the Tigers' best pitchers, I bet you those were the ones that get lit up, and then the one that no one's ever heard of does well. Alec, I'm sorry, Alex Fado. I don't know how to say pronounce his last name exactly. Six innings for him, only one hit. And no earned runs. He didn't even strike out that many batters. Only two strikeouts, but apparently that's all it takes against the Padres. This trend goes back from not just this year to a couple years ago, to be honest with you. It just seems like this is a Padres thing. That if you're struggling, if you're even a double-A reliever with a 27 ERA, you could strike out the side for the Padres. No fight whatsoever in this team. And we saw that again on Sunday. Zero fight whatsoever. Um, in this team for, for over the course of the year. Sunday wasn't actually that bad because they almost make a little bit of a comeback. St. Gary gets the start, which maybe there's some I have some beef with it because it continues the longstanding tradition of as soon as Luis Campuzano has a great game, they bench him. Um, but he's actually the only one who drives in a run on Sunday. And in the bottom of the ninth, with second and third, St. Gary had the chance to potentially tie it. Unfortunately, he doesn't. Can't be that bad at him because he's kind of delivered um, in a lot of ways, for a waiver wire pickup, uh, and for a team that was starting Austin Ola way too many times this year, um, has been pretty good. So I'm not that mad at him. And again, that opportunity right at the end there 
literally probably one of the best instances I can remember, actually, of the Padres fighting back, at least in terms of an individual game. The fact that they had the chance there to have a great comeback does say a lot. Remember, they're like 0-9 in extra innings this year. I feel like they don't have, they haven't had a walk-off in quite a long time. I think the only walk-off they had was like early on in the season with, was it Hassan Kim that did it? I forgot who it was exactly, to be honest with you, but like they just, utter refusal, like I said, to, to come up big. And, and Fado, like I said, 6.98 ERA coming into this game, and they helped him lower it by more than a run. So, shouts to the Padres, this is what they do. Uh, not a great game all around. Hassan Kim, he does go 0 for 2, but he gets two walks, which was nice. Hassan Kim, all of a sudden, hitting 267, by the way. Just truly, truly incredible stuff from Hassan Kim. 359 on base percentage. We need to do an episode all about this guy, to be honest with you. Just the Hassan Kim appreciation show. Maybe. Look forward to it. Maybe one of the episodes this week after we recap the Pirates series. Maybe that's what I'll, I'll give for you guys as a, as a little treat. As a little treat. Just for you guys for listening to my stupid show. Um, but yeah, Hassan Kim. Nothing from Fernando Tatis Jr. Nothing from Juan Soto. Nothing from Manny Machado who, yes, hard to get super mad at the guy. He's been great for July, but only July. So he's still worth criticism. He has to be awesome the rest of the way. Xander Bogarts does get a double and a walk in this one. But it's just I never know what we can get from him, um, from Xander Bogarts. 2023 Padres, Xander Bogarts has not been a very good player. So it's unfortunate. Joe Musgrove, not his best start in the world. Gives up some runs early. But all in all, six innings, three earned runs, one walk, six strikeouts. Not the worst start in the world from Joe Musgrove. Uh, still rocking a 3.25 ERA on the season. Only went up by a little bit. He's been great. He's as steady as can be. He's going to have those starts where he's an ace. He's going to have those starts where he looks like a pretty solid pitcher. And that's what he does. But he never really has starts or consecutive starts where he's awful. Uh, so love um, Joe Musgrove. And again, giving up that home run to Spencer Torkelson. Classic Padres stuff. He had been struggling all year. Hits one in the bottom of the first inning. Andy Abanez and Kerry Carpenter doing the rest of the damage. So not great. Not great whatsoever. Um, and again, I feel like le- yesterday, them even being an opportunity to potentially make a comeback. I don't remember that amount of fight. This says a lot, by the way. I'm getting excited over them at least looking like they might have had a chance in the last inning um, against the Tigers. Last thing I can remember is that first game against the Reds from a few weeks ago when they went into, like, what was it, the bottom of the 11th, I believe. They ended up losing on the walk-off, but, like, they tied it. They came back in the ninth, all that stuff. Like, other than that, go ahead. Leave a comment. What was the last comeback sort of? I mentioned the walk-off at the beginning of the year that I think was Hassan Kim. It was either him or Cronenworth. I can't remember. Um, aside from that, like, go ahead. Leave comments about when you remember the, the, this Padres team having comebacks. And that's been the story of this season as a whole. Some pretty sobering numbers from Kevin Acey uh, in the San Diego Union Tribune as we head into this next series against the Pirates, who uh, look forward to my crossover with Ethan Smith of Lockdown Pirates tomorrow. But... Yeah, you might be thinking, well, the Padres won another series, right? They did well. They Not only did they have that sweep against the Angels famously, but they also were able to... Who was it that we played before this? I have a terrible memory. It was... All right, the Blue Jays. You won two out of three against the Blue Jays. You won two out of three against the Fire, uh, the Tigers. Not bad. The problem is you need more than that. Um, and you might be thinking, well, they're playing the Pirates again. Last time the Pirates played the Padres, they had lost 12 of their last 13 games, and then they swept the Padres. This time... They've lost 13 of their last 17 games heading into tonight's game against the Padres. So if history repeats itself, which I think it will, 
don't expect a lot from this series. If they sweep the Pirates and play well against the Rangers this weekend, then maybe you can start getting a little bit excited about a potential late season run. But it just feels like this is a lost season uh, in a lot of ways. Uh, and we're going to talk about that more uh, with Ethan on tomorrow's podcast. But for now, though, those aren't the only sobering numbers. Um for this Padres team. I want to attest to their lack of comebacks and recap, in fairness, be a little bit positive for the rest of the games um, that happened this weekend, especially about Luis Campizano. But before we do that, ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you, you want the chance to win more money with less picks? Well, guess what you can do? You can head up to Sweet Sweeper. No, hold on. Sorry, I've been saying sweep too much. Sleeper. It's a great app. It's, it's awesome. I love it, ladies and gentlemen. Go check it out. Head to Sleeper where you can win up to 100 times your money on just two or more fantasy baseball picks. That's, her, that's what's great. They're daily fantasy. You know? It's, it's really great. They're offering up to 100 times payout for up to eight pick contests. Choose as many as eight players that you like and pick more or less on your favorite baseball stats. Like home runs, strikeouts, hits, walks, more. You know, you can, you can do all that stuff. Total hits. It's, it's, it's great stuff. So, ladies and gentlemen. Let me tell you who I'm picking tonight. I dogged him a little bit, so I'm making up for it. Manny Machado, over 0.5 hits. I think he'll do that. I, I really do. I think he's going to be all right tonight. I think he'll do that. I actually don't mind the Xander Bogarts getting a hit either, but I'm going to go with Manny since he's just had the hot hand. I feel good about betting on him. And then I will say Quinn Priester of the Pittsburgh Pirates, over or under 5.5 hits allowed. The, the, the over on that. Is interesting. I think the Padres could show up for at least game one of this series. So look into that. Or you could be a cynic and be like, hey, at least I'll, I'll walk away with something uh, if he goes under five and a half hits. But those are my picks for at least in this first game of the series. Ladies and gentlemen, you have to go check out Sleeper. It's a fantastic app. Use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. Sleep term Sleeper's terms of use for details. Currently operational in over 30 states. Check out Sleeper today. And we are back, everybody, here on this old Locked On Padres Monday recap extravaganza. And we're doing all right. And thank you. Thank you for making me feel all right as you subscribe and listen. Make us your first listen every day. Free and available on all platforms. Let's keep talking about the rest of the series. The positive stuff from this series. There isn't too much to note. In terms of Friday's game, to be perfectly honest with you, aside from the fact that the Padres held the lead, um, really good stuff. Um, after a pretty good start from Seth Lugo, who just has been everything you can want from a back end starter. I do not think Seth Lugo is amazing. I think he might be getting a little bit lucky with the hard hit ball data and the expected stats. But nonetheless, as a fifth starter, for you to go six innings, give up only two earned runs, strike out seven, that's been great. And he does have a decent fastball every now and then. So shouts to Seth Lugo showing that he can be a starter. In this league, not necessarily an amazing starter, but good for him. You know what I mean? That's where that's where the big money is. You know what I'm saying? So doing well against this Tigers lineup counts for something, um, and I love it. And again, if the rest of the Padres team was doing well, I I really think that people would have been like, "Wow, remember when we were scared about the rotation? It was a real thing. Everyone was scared about the Padres rotation." Um, I was nervous about it, not scared. Remember, I like doing my DefCon tears for starting pitching because uh, everyone loves saying we need an ace. And then it's like, yeah, so does every team in baseball. Um, the Padres weren't in like DefCon 1, like zero concern, but there was a little bit. And it turns out that, that was, those concerns just weren't didn't come out to be true because of Michael Waka and Seth Lugo in particular being so effective. 
Um, one person has not been effective, uh, who almost nearly blew the game for the Padres is Nick Martinez. Um, one inning, two earned runs on two hits. Uh, Martinez could be cooked. Um, this is this is approaching cooked vibes for sure. Um, you know the Riley Green home run, not great. Riley Green, granted, as Scott Bentley talked about, probably the best overall player on this Tigers team. But even still, uh, just just really nerve wracking for Martinez. It's possible that people are starting to key in on him. One of the things that made him so successful last year was his uh, changeup. Some of the best run value stats, which is a little bit of an advanced stat, but it was in like low. What was it like negative ten at one point? Like it was great. His changeup was awesome. Maybe people are getting used to it. Maybe it's just it's just not working anymore. I love his energy. I love that. I've always loved Nick Martinez's energy, but he just has been so inconsistent over the last bunch. And this isn't him as a starter. This is him as a reliever that he just has not been able to come in there and be consistent. His ERA has been ballooning for a while now. Uh, again, he's just not that trustworthy of an arm. And it's unfortunate because I like the guy. Um, but thankfully, we have someone named Josh Hader lowering his ERA to below one on the season. It is it is so incredible, this Padres team. I actually think that when we inevitably have to do my podcast, where I talk with Ryan Finkelstein of Locked On Mets, to decide who is more disappointing this year. There's a lot of takes between, you know, between the Mets or the Padres being more disappointing. But I think more embarrassing, oh man, the Padres are up there. They have a closer with a 0.97. They have a better run differential than everybody's favorite breakout team, the Orioles. Right? Like, they have all these superstars of the payroll, and they just... Ugh. I'm sorry, guys. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to do it with a smile. I'm trying to do the sadness with a smile. Um, but Josh Hader picking up a save there. Huge for them because, you know, still one-run game. So always appreciate that. Shout-out to Josh Hader. Next game, though, that we got to mention was Saturdays. Oh, how glorious Saturday was. Your boy participated in the Barbenheimer extravaganza and was blessed with a 14 to 3 victory for the Padres. And there's a lot of things to talk about here. Jackson Wolf, 5 innings, 3 earned runs allowed. After having that huge rain delay that kind of might have thrown off his mojo, that counts for something, but don't get too excited. It's very nice what he did. Um, I think that what he did for the team was good, but what he did for Jackson Wolf, not necessarily. He only generated like one whiff on the night. Like I mentioned with the strikeout, guys were seeing his pitches. I joked on Twitter that he was cosplaying being mortal and just wanted to give the Tigers a fighting chance. In all seriousness, uh, it's good that he was able to go at least five innings considering the rain delay, saving the pen a little bit. That's big. Um, in theory, would have been big for Sunday to help them get the sweep. Of course, they didn't. Um, Jackson Wolf, like the number 16 uh, pitching prospect for the Padres wasn't all that great though uh, overall especially against a bad team not getting any whiffs on any of his pitches really uh, I wouldn't be super excited about it and the Padres clearly weren't either as they just sent him back down so again uh, still shouts to Jackson Wolf helped the team and it's still it, it means something but just don't get super excited about it I think that the three earned runs in five innings is not a great thing to look to uh, to be excited about a guy's um, first career start uh, it just wasn't all that impressive but um Brent Honeywell and the rest of the bullpen does well enough. Tim Hill, no earned runs. Brent Honeywell, two innings, three strikeouts over those two innings, no earned runs. And then Luis Garcia, in his least tumultuous outing, they gave him an 11-run cushion. Not even he could mess this up as he goes one inning, two strikeouts. Really good stuff. But it was about the offense um, in this game. Hassan Kim, three for four with a home run on the year. Hassan Kim, by the way, I just like... 
this guy, again, I think we have to do the Hassan Kim Appreciation Podcast. I still remember two years ago when I wrote for JustBaseball.com, another plug, uh, that I thought Hassan Kim was the Padres' secret weapon last year. I really did. I thought, give him some more at-bats, he could get better, and look at him now. Not only has he been good, he's been super good. I'm not saying the guy's Shohei Otani, obviously, but he's 15th overall in F4. That's better than some big-time names, like Francisco Lindor, like Mike Trout. Granted, Trout was hurt. Uh, Dansby Swanson, who was a big signing for the Cubs this offseason. Hasn't been as bad as Andrew Bogart, so he does deserve some credit there. Like, let me be clear, like, Dansby Swanson just the most normal first year of a big contract I've ever seen. You know what I mean? Like, he's been fun. He's been solid for them. You know what I mean? Not great, but solid. So, shouts to Dansby Swanson uh, for no reason. I'm just bringing it up. Better than Francisco Lindor. Better than some big names you hear. Brandon Nimmo. Paul Goldschmidt. Higher at four than him. 3.4. A lot of that defense, but the fact that he has upgraded his bat to being as good as it's been. A 120 WRC plus for a player as talented as him. Multiple positions. Deserves a lot of credit. Two walks in this game. Three for four with a home run. Um, incredible stuff. Tatis, not as exciting of a day, but still two for four with a double in this one and two walks. Juan Soto has a nice day as well. Two for five with three RBIs and a double. The big RBI double from the team there. Um, Manny Machado, two for five with three ribbies and a home run. Again, he's been on fire. I'm excited about it, but I don't think that we should be forgiving of how porous uh, his first three months. Again, I have to emphasize Manny Machado has been Probably the best overall position player, but only this month. Um, and I think that, you know, it's just, it's so frustrating. Uh, you know, and I mentioned this before, on-base percentage below 300 for each of the first three months. So, again, uh, take with that what you will, even if he has been good in July. Um, yeah, I mean, that that's it, right? Jake Cronenworth, he goes two for five. Alfonso Rivas, Trent Grisham, who's been heating up, but maybe s- slowing down just a little bit lately. Oh, that's right. That's right. <laughs> oh, man. The Campuzano Hive. How much have I been talking? I'm taking a victory lap. This was a great day, ladies and gentlemen. On top of the Barbenheimer, on top of the overall offense, Luis Campuzano, four for five with three runs scored, four RBIs and a home run. Incredible stuff from the boy. Coming up, all of a sudden, batting 278 on the season because he never plays, right? Here's the thing. I have complained a lot. And I complain about this on tomorrow's episode too, so I'll keep it short about Luis Campizano. I think that my least favorite thing is assuming what we're going to get from young players. I think that that is a fool's game, and it is often why fans fall for stuff when their team kicks the, the can down the road. And instead of stab- signing any established, I'm not saying five like the way the Padres have, but instead of signing or acquiring any established veteran great players, they like to tell you about prospects and this and that. And don't get me wrong, that's true. But I think another, the other end of that coin is assuming that the prospects will be bad. You know, and I think that with the Padres, there was some baseball reference metrics that came out early in the year with pitch framing that might have been reason for why they weren't playing him. But for me, I hate those metrics because Luis Campizano, you're not taking into account that he's 24 years old, that he's a high-level prospect, that every time he's in the minors, he rakes every single time. Hit a home run on his rehab, um, in his rehab stint. Like, every single time he's been successful down there. And the Padres refusing to give him any playing time is frustrating. 
And granted, he's still young, and maybe this is the beginning. I think, personally, he's going to be the thing to look forward to for this second half for the Padres, just for something to be excited about, potentially, because of how bad catching was this year, particularly with Austin Nola. Um, I just can't stand that. We're going to look at, and I'm not saying the Padres did this, I'm not saying that everyone in baseball media did this, but some looking at saying, and looking at Luis Campizano's pitching met, uh, framing metrics through what has been a career that is filled with sending him up to pinch hit against Kenley Jansen to start off his career in a rivalry game against the Dodgers to, oh wow, he did great today, as he did earlier on this season, goes three for three, hits a double, sent, now he's getting benched. All of that stuff, inconsistent playing time, being brought up and down in the AAA, and we're going to look at baseball reference fan graphs, whatever metrics, that his framing ain't good, and that it is guaranteed we will lose more games without him. When Austin Nola was the guy starting in front of him. That, my friends, um, is when I think that um, analytics get out of control. Where you're using them to observe small sample sizes. Everyone who, hey, you know what I'm saying? Like, we get your Wander Franco 2021. Was it 2021? Has an awesome 50-game set. Every analytics person you ever met is like, top two shortstop. Guaranteed next year. I'm like, I think he's going to be great. He's been great this year, certainly. It's one of the reasons the Rays are World Series favorites. But we're just going to assume. You know what I mean? I like sample size. And that's why I've always been a big believer in Luis Campizano, um, at least partially. I also think that he's just a good prospect from what I've heard. So really exciting for him. He doesn't end up getting the start in Sunday's game, which is unfortunate. Um, and maybe why they lost, for all we know. I know that Gary ends up getting the RBI. But again, the Padres' just inability to go on a run. I have to caution everybody. Yes, they've won these. They've had two straight series that they've won uh, two out of three. But, you know, if you look at just overall, this is a really nice tidbit from Kevin Acey in the San Diego Tribune, his uh, newsletter. In the past 10 full MLB seasons, no team has gone to the playoffs without having at least one winning streak of at least five games. And just three teams among the 102 playoff teams in that span had winning streaks that brief. More than 70% had at least one winning streak of 70 games or longer. That's right. So that precedent shows you the fact that the Padres refused to go on a run, um, and AC in this Tribune letter was writing in a way that was like, this team just doesn't have the fight, they don't have the urgency, they just look off, right? And then it happens again, right? You had the Blue Jays situation, then you have the Tigers. So it shows you there's just loser energy permeating throughout this team, um, despite the fact that I'm still excited about a couple things. That can happen at the deadline. And we're going to talk about that in just a second, guys, to wrap up the show. We're going to do that now, ladies and gentlemen. Let's wrap up this show by talking about some news. Some news that Blake Snell and Josh Hader reportedly, according to USA Today, are officially on the trade deadline block. This doesn't come as a super surprise. Granted, depends on how you feel about Mr. Bob Nightingale. You know what I mean? It depends how you feel about that. Uh, Juan Soto is reportedly not seen as available. And I posted this on Twitter. And here are some of your guys' responses. Annabella at Padres Forever on Twitter said, don't believe it. AJ said he's buying. At Rama Murdy on Twitter, longtime listener of the show, love you responding to me, my guy. At this point, they need to sell. Sn they need to sell Snell, sell Snell, sell Snell. Say that ten times fast. Sell Snell and Hater if they don't think they'll resign them and get players who can help them for this season and possibly for 2024. Only move Soto if it gets a whole boatload of talent like you gave up to get him. So we're buying and selling. 
Um, Tim SD is keeping the faith on Twitter. It says, this is Boob Night and get go- Night Night Balunga. Boob Night Balunga as a source. Okay, so Bob Nightingale as a source. Great point. Uh, Ed Adley on Twitter said, AJ buying, not selling. And then uh, Jody Talbot on Twitter says, I only listen to Pirates Management. Guessing does nobody any good. Wait and see. Of course. Uh, unfortunately, I am not in the business of being able to wait and see because I am a content lad. Uh, this is what I do. So, what? Dang. I just lost like four followers on Twitter for some reason on my main account. Damn you, Elon. Anyway, um, it's probably people quitting. That, that's why. It's probably people who are leaving the app or something like that. We'll see. Um, I, I agree with all those kind of perspectives on it. Um, I think that being buyers and sellers is totally fine. I think that you have to look at the fact that the Padres extended five guys in the offseason, um, including um, signing Xander Bogarts, right? So you consider all of that. The likelihood of them re-signing them just doesn't seem all that high to me. Um, it doesn't seem very likely. Um, and I don't think it's necessarily something you should do because Blake Snell and Josh Hader are going to get big paydays, particularly because of how Snell has been pitching as of late. That's probably why he's like, I'm totally down to stay here because he's like, I know I'm getting a bag. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's like, I'm not worried. And this Padres defense is awesome and can make me look better. Um, you know, so those guys are going to get paid big time. This isn't you trying to keep a decent role player or anything like that. You know, like this isn't say if the Met, let's say we had Tommy Pham. Right. Considering his age and all that stuff, you want to extend a guy like that. Guarantee you, you could probably do that and not worry about it. But haters going to cost a lot. He's probably going to break the Edwin Diaz number from last year. That's just how this works. Blake Snell probably going to get paid a decent amount, too. You just can't afford to keep all these guys. And I don't think it's as much a question of afford in the money sense as much as it's a question of afford in the just team building sense. You don't want to have nine guys locked down for 10 years. Uh, that's just not right because it means you can't make pivots and guess what this team needs to do make pivots you extend Cronenworth Suarez sign Bogarts extend Manny extends who else Darvish you're in the position where they're in right now where I bet you that they'd be there'd be some interesting things hey I'm not saying I would want to do it but maybe Machado's not under contract I think some teams might pay a decent for a rental for him especially because he's been heating up I don't know maybe it's possible I don't know possible that's all I'm saying um those are just examples, albeit some poor ones, but that's that's all I'm saying. Um, and Blake Snell, it's going to be interesting also because he has, uh, in his lifetime starts, granted only three starts against the Pittsburgh Pirates, he is rocking a 8.49 ERA. So hopefully he doesn't absolutely stink it up and hurt his trade value too much uh, because precedent says that he's been bad against this team. But I'm hoping that they can get some decent returns on these guys. It's going to be interesting. Um, I just... Look, it's not the worst position in the world. They have decent playoff odds at 36.2%, but so do the Giants, so do the D-backs, right? So I'm just not getting all that overly excited. The D-backs have been on a bit of a losing streak lately, don't get me wrong. Uh, Like, things have not been good for them lately. Um, So I'm curious to see what happens to them. But just overall, I just don't think it's all that... I don't think it'll prove prudent for the Padres to spend and try and trade for some big-time players again. Um, my take on this is you still have some really good core talent here. You have some exciting prospects. And I think that Preller, if anything, knows how to build up the farm, at least on the hitting side. Questionable whether or not he's been able to do the same for, for starting pitchers. But I think you look at this team and say, we sell this year, and the case to be made, yes, there's no Snell. Yes, there's no Hater next year. 
Still got Robert Suarez. Hopefully you can buff the bullpen. You know, have some guys come up. Maybe Ryan Weathers becomes a long-inning reliever guy next year. Who knows? I'm just spitballing. This Padres team, with such a good close bullpen for a decent amount of the year, with, with Hayter especially, with the excellent starting pitching, you know, with the fact that they have a higher run differential than really good teams in this league, you might look at this and say, we reset for next year because there's no way it can be as bad again. Uh, particularly with the players that they have on the offense. There's no way they go into next year being just as bad, right? Just as bad and just as unclutch. Totally possible that they do that, right? And you say, as long as we're not the worst team in baseball with runners in scoring position, we should be fine. Totally get that. Um, do I think that will happen? No idea. I think that this team never ceases to amaze me uh, in the ways that they'll find out to lose. That's just San Diego sports in a nutshell, I'd say. But... Uh, again, I think that selling these guys is the right move. I, I really do. Um, I'm not going to be livid if they decide to go for it. I'm not going to be livid. I could understand, again, with the run differential, with some of their stats, just expecting them to be average with runners on. I get it. But sometimes you just are what you are for the year. right? I'm not saying this is what they are forever. I'm not saying Xander Bogarts is done. I think that that's a mistake. Look at the Marcus Simeon and Corey Seager deals. Those guys were very shaky the first year, particularly Simeon, and they're great the next year. So hopefully they figure it out and they figure out the wrist issue or whatever's been plaguing him. I hope they do. But uh, again, it's going to be a fun trade deadline week. I really think that this is going to be a lot of fun. Um, at least we get some news this week. Hey, at the very minimum, hopefully we get some Shohei Otani news. And we're going to talk about that also tomorrow with Ethan Smith of Lockdown Pirates to just talk about, you know, that series as a whole, what's going on there. Repeat a little bit of the information I just uh, shared with you here. Uh, not going to lie, some of the stats I used tomorrow because I recorded that pod before this one. Uh, but nonetheless, guys, looking forward to it. I don't know where Snell's going to end up. What I do know is I'll be writing for Just Baseball, a fun little, like, you know, five destinations Blake Snell could end up. Uh, piece for them. That should be going out. Also be writing my trade deadline guide on the Padres as well. That should be out like late Tuesday, something like that, around Wednesday. You can look forward to that. And of course, you can look, look forward to the episodes of this podcast. Miller Thomas, he's coming back on. We're going to do another fun draft probably. I don't know which one yet, but it'll be good. We're going to be crossing over with Bryce Paddock of Lockdown Rangers for this Rangers series. It's going to be great. It's going to be lovely. And I'm going to try and fit in that Ha Sung Kim appreciation podcast. I'm going to try. I'm going to try. But with that all being said, everybody, that about does it for today's edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast, the only pot that may be better than the Padres themselves. Remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. Follow myself on Twitter, Javapeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O. And until next time, stay safe and, of course, stay faithful. My very faithful homies, take care.